Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you're encouraged and challenged by this week's message. Okay, I'm going to be reading from Luke 15. It's the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus often spoke in parables. Here he's speaking to a mixed crowd of social outcasts and religious people. This parable comes after the lost sheep and the lost coin. It's a story of a father and his two sons. So Luke 15 verse 11 to 24. There was a man who had two sons and that the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. So the first part of that chapter focuses on the youngest son, his wayward living, and eventually his return to the father. The son asks his father for his share of his inheritance. In Jewish culture, this would be considered a dishonor. Inheritance should have been distributed after the father's death. But without protest, the father divides his estate and gives the youngest son his share. Verse 13 tells us he goes off to a far country and squanders his inheritance on wild living. Eventually, he is left with nothing. He hadn't planned for the severe famine that followed. So we can conclude from the passage that the only employment he could find was feeding pigs, working for minimum wages. Verse 16 tells us he hungered for the food the pigs were eating. That's hungry. Jews didn't eat pork, as swine were considered unclean according to Deuteronomy 14. So according to Jewish culture, he would also have been unclean, defiled. Verse 17 tells us that when he was at his lowest, he came to himself. And like many of us, we found Christ when we were at our lowest and most desperate. And that certainly was the case in my testimony, which I'm going to give you a bit 
of background too. Okay, I was raised in the Christian faith and at a young age I made a decision to follow Jesus. As a teenager, like the prodigal, I wanted to go out into the world and live my life. This led me out of the church at the age of 15. Christianity was something to consider or reconsider when I was older. Meantime, there was a will to be discovered first. Without Christianity and religion, it felt free at first. No restraints, no discipline. Alcohol, parties, holidays, weekends, boyfriends, nightclubs. And I lived for the weekends. And we had just entered the era of girl power. I am woman, hear me roar. This led to an immoral lifestyle and a string of broken relationships, some of which were abusive. But eventually the weekends weren't enough. I needed some of those highs during the week. The higher the high, the lower the low. So hurts were carried from one relationship into another. My choices and lifestyle left me with deep emotional hurts and wounds. And alcohol became a regular way of escaping depression and the hurt of the past. We're living in a time of increasing interest in the supernatural and the paranormal. From a young age, I had an over overwhelming interest in the supernatural. I believe stories from the Bible that God was a supernatural God. He is a supernatural God. But like many searching for spirituality, I looked to other sources, even though I had been brought up in the Christian faith. I was aware of other sources that the Bible warned of and spoke of. Most of my resources were spent on alcohol, partying, psychics, spiritualists in search for answers. But it was false hope. False prophets offer false hope and false promises. So I explored met other methods of spiritual practices to find answers for myself. This led to me predicting the future for others and I joined others in the practice. It also enhanced other supernatural abilities that I believed I had been gifted with. The devil is a liar. My journey back to faith. So this was the beginning of my spiritual journey. That night I came to Christ. My sister had been recently gone back into the church. It was the 4th of August, 2000. She had recently gone back into the church. She had returned to her Christian faith and she came to visit me. So she had people praying for me. So that night, for me, it was the start of a spiritual journey. Before that night, I had become addicted to the supernatural and at times I was overwhelmed. But the depression and the suicidal thoughts became worse. I still believed in God many times from Sunday school and from school, hymns and songs would come to mind. There were warnings about my lifestyle along the way. There was dreams, there was visions. But the warnings meant that Jesus Christ was still alive and knocking at my door. Revelation 3 tells us, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. My experience with the supernatural and the darkness that surrounded became frightening. I turned to others in the occult for help, but they were powerless. They told me I had channeled into something evil. Closing the door to the supernatural was beyond my control and theirs. I eventually turned to my parents for help. They were Christians and they did help without judgment. But at that point, I still wasn't ready to surrender to Christ. And it wasn't long before I was drawn back in again. Deceiving spirits are very deceptive. 
Not long after my father's death, I was speaking to another psychic. She told me exactly how my father had died, how he was watching over me. And I knew there and then that that was a lie because it was everything against everything that my father stood for, his Christian faith, his testimony, and his own background. Regardless of how much I lived it up over, the, over those 16 years, it was never enough. It was only temporal fulfillment. The empty void was still there that no alcohol or partner could fill. And after that night, my, my sister visited me. She left, and I can remember turning on the TV, and I think it was the God TV I turned on to, and I was in a desperate search for hope that night. And Billy Graham was preaching a message on how we need Jesus and cannot make it without him. And it was so clear that night, like the prodigal son came to his senses. After 16 years of trying to fill my life with other things, I needed Jesus. And for me, it was like the Philippian jailer. I cried out that night. My sister prayed with me and led me back to Christ. This was due to a praying mother who didn't give up over the years. And those seeds that were planted at a young age. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I have sent it. So let's have a look at the son's journey back. In verses 17 to 24, the son had removed himself from under the father's presence and protection. The story is a portrayal of God letting someone go their own way and God will let us go our own way. He will let us take our own path. The son makes his journey home to ask his father to be hired as a servant. In his mind, because of his rebellion, he, no, he thought he no longer had the right to be acknowledged as his son. But the father never gave up on his return. Verse 20 tells us he eagerly awaited his return from a long way off. The parable speaks more of God's grace, God's forgiveness and restoration more so than it does the waywardness of the prodigal. So for me that night, that was the beginning of a spiritual journey. The healing and restoration process began. I think the charismatic term is deliverance. The enemy doesn't let go easy. The battle was fierce. There were times when I wondered who was more powerful. Spiritual warfare was not an option. I'd been back in the, the church two weeks and a visiting preacher came to speak and she, told, she spoke on spiritual warfare and how we had the weapons to fight. So I did. See, when you open the door to the supernatural, no human power can close it. The occult is real, but God is far more powerful. The blood of Jesus Christ breaks through all demonic powers. The only protection against the evil one is Jesus Christ. For me that night, the desire for alcohol left. God filled me with his spirit, the Holy Spirit. For the first two years back in the church, I was still a 40-a-day smoker. I was a chain smoker nearly. The cigarette was a small thing, but it had a strong hold. The Bible says a man is a slave to what masters him. However, there were other areas in my life, the deliverance pro process, the brokenness that God wanted to heal first. I was eventually, after two years, set free from smoking, but not through my own efforts. I had tried several times in the past and failed. The blood of Jesus has the power to break through all addictions, spiritual oppression and depression. Luke 4, 18 tells us, he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. 
But running from the past, fighting the temptation of substance abuse is not freedom. And as Mike said earlier, John 8, 36, the Bible says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And after 16 years of trying to pursue happiness and fulfillment, like the prodigal, I came to the realization of my rebellion. In his mercy and amazing grace, God reached down and lifted me out of that, out of the darkness. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. My chains have gone. In John 4, we read of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. My self-destructive behavior left me a broken mess. And like the woman at the well, Jesus reached out to her. He addressed her a moral lifestyle. Many today would think it insensitive or not politically correct to mention the woman's sin or bring up her past. But God's love is reaching out regardless of someone's sin or past. But truth is still required with the gospel today, even if not politically correct. Jesus, while speaking with her, makes a comparison between natural and spiritual water. In John 4.13, it tells us, everyone who drinks of this water will never thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. Jesus tells her of the living water after which she would never thirst again. He was referring to eternal life that was only available through him. Even with a right person, no human relationship can satisfy a spiritual need. When Jesus offered the woman living water, he was offering something that no man could give her. He touched on the root of her problem and offered to fill her empty void. Jesus didn't condemn the woman. He didn't make her feel ashamed. He didn't give her a sermon on how to live a moral lifestyle. But neither could he help her beyond the point where she was confronted with the truth. Just like my, my case. I needed the truth of my rebellion and my sin. And John 8.32 tells us, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The woman was familiar with Samaritan and Jewish religion. It wasn't enough to save her. She knew all about Messiah. She recognized the prophet, but she still lived a sinful life. Jesus exposes her sin. He respectfully brings her to the realization where she understands she is a sinner. The woman's sins were obvious. Her reputation would have been known throughout the town. You can live a religious lifestyle, have strong beliefs, live a sinful lifestyle, without a relationship with Jesus. And like the woman at the well, many of us have experienced shattered dreams and failed relationships going from one relationship to another in search of happiness. Like myself, this woman had an, account, an encounter with the living Christ that changed her life. We all need an encounter with the living Christ, not religion. When we return to God fully repentant, we are fully forgiven, regardless of how far we have fallen. Romans 5.20 tells us, where sin abound, grace abounds more. For me, the parable of the prodigal is an illustration also of the backslider returning, the restoration of a believer. The father calls for the best robe to be brought in, his filthy rags to be replaced, a signet ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. 
According to Jewish custom in Deuteronomy 21, the punishment should have been stoning. But instead of punishment, instead of condemnation, there was celebration. For this son who was thought dead is alive. Verse 32 tells us he was lost and now is found. The story of the prodigal illustrates how sinners who are lost and come back is to be celebrated. For backsliders especially, it's hard to return to faith after departing from the path. I believe we are in the hour where God is calling the backslider home. But also I don't believe that all backsliders have left the church. We're going to look at Luke 15 to the older son, verse 25 to 32. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So these verses focus more on the heart and attitude of the older son parable really speaks more of two sons who were lost. The youngest with his obvious sinful lifestyle, but the passage suggests the oldest was also lost. Lost in unforgiveness and like the Pharisees and the scribes in self-righteousness. When he's speaking to his father, he refers to his brother as this son of yours instead of this brother of mine which suggests unforgiveness. He refuses to be associated with his father's rebellion. Verse 20 tells us the other brother became angry and refused to go in. He doesn't join in the celebration. The oldest son couldn't understand why his father was overjoyed over his brother's return, especially as he was the one who had served loyally over these years. What about my robe, my ring? What about my sandals? My fattened, my fattened calf and my celebration. Jesus speaks of unforgiveness in the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18. In this passage, he illustrates how he expects us to also extend that same forgiveness to others. And if we don't, he will hold us accountable. As believers, we can easily fall into that trap of unforgiveness and self-righteousness. We've served in the church many years. We've worked faithfully in the field. We can easily forget where we came from. Matthew 3, 8 tells us, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And as Christians and myself, we can still struggle with unforgiveness, compulsive behavior and habitual sins. The Father wants us to walk in complete freedom for the victory on which Christ died to live free from the burden and the shame of her past. Psalm 103 tells us, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. 
As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord can, has compassion on those who fear him. The story of the prodigal is like the message of the cross. The message of the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is a radical message. It's a message of hope. It's a message of restoration through forgiveness. Like the prodigal, a message of reconciliation with the father. Isaiah 61 tells us, he has sent me to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to them that are bound. When I returned to the church, I could evangelize, I could lead others to Christ, I could bring them to salvation. I had a powerful testimony. But as a 40-day cigarette smoker, I was still in bondage. I couldn't help but others beyond that point or out of addiction. And I believe in these last days, the Lord wants us to minister not only salvation, but healing and restoration to those who are lost and bound, hiding from our past or trying to forget our past. It's not living free and it will hinder us from receiving the complete freedom for which Christ died for. Living with emotional damage is like carrying around unwanted baggage. It, was, it will weigh us down, but we can get used to carrying it around, but it will affect our spiritual journey. And I am still on that journey. I am still on that journey. I am still a work in progress. Jesus said in John 10, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And the word that comes to me here is beauty for ashes. There are times when the Christian path is hard. Jesus didn't promise us an easy journey. The Christian path is a narrow one. Matthew 7 tells us, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only few find it. But it is a path worth walking. It's a path of hope. It's a path of fulfillment and purpose. I do thank God for bringing me out of the light into the darkness. My restoration to the Father through Jesus Christ has been the most spiritually enlightened journey. I am always overwhelmed with the words from the great hymn from Charles Wesley and Can It Be? Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose went forth, followed day. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.